going on, Defenders? This is episode 132, 132, of the most LAFC podcast in the solar system, Defenders of the Bank. I am one half of your hair band, Hermano's crew, about to bring you all the black and gold news to wash away your Thursday morning Cruz Azul hangover blues. I am the self-proclaimed beast from the east that is fat, happy, and full from this Cruz Azul feast. Christian, Philly, Philemon, and with me in the Philomonster domain, a man who utilizes a garment in his name, the mouth of the south, J.R. Liebert! The scarf. And for all of you that have had to turn down your radios or replace your speakers altogether, please send the bill to Christian Philemon. A.K.A. Over at scarf. Philomonster <laughs> Studios here in beautiful Burbank, California. Yeah. Come on, LAFC faithful. Are you kidding me? It's the semifinals. Look, Philly, the one thing that I told myself I would do over quarantine over the nine months that we have now been locked inside of our homes by, as they say over at FCFC podcast, by Emperor Newsom, I said I would get more exercise. Well, anybody who has seen me over the last nine months knows that unfortunately, I have not gotten more exercise until tonight, Philly, where we exercise the demons of a terrible 2020 MLS season all over that pitch in Orlando. I said pitch on Cruz Azul. Philly, what a match. What a comeback. Oh, what a night. (laughs) Are you Kidding me, LAFC faithful. Back in 2020. I love it. Let's go on to the semis, Philly. So much to talk about. I can't wait. Philly is going to give us a primer on Cruz Azul. We're going to do one news and note and one this day in LAFC history. But I don't know if you guys can tell. We are hyped. It's on to the semis of the Champions League. And oh, by the way, Philly, count them. One MLS team still alive. <laughs> you, you're going back to the comment you made about exercise. We definitely exercised our larynxes today, and I'm sure you can hear it because we were yelling up a ton here. Woo! We had gone 22 days, Defenders, a little over three weeks without an LAFC match. And in that time, we clearly sat and scratched our heads and licked our wounds and wondered what in the hell happened. But Something really good happened, and we're going to get into it. Let's kick things off. We got an awful lot of stuff to talk about. Scarf, bless the millions. And millions. Of Defenders of the Bank listeners with this day in LAFC history. A day that will go down in LAFC history for sure as we dispatch the second Liga Amekis foe of this Champions League run here in 2020. We are, of course, recording this on game day. It's about 10.30 in the evening on Wednesday, December 16th, and we've got just one event that also happened on the 16th. This last year was when we released our protected list for the expansion draft, which Austin FC had their expansion draft just a day or two ago, and LAFC was exempt, unfortunately, because of what we are going to talk about right now. On the 16th in 2019, LAFC releases their protected list for the upcoming 2019 MLS expansion draft for Inter-Miami and Nashville, and of course, we protected all the big cats, and who got taken? That's right, Lee 
win. What I also find interesting, the notable unprotected players. Tyler Miller, no longer on the team. Jordan Harvey, not in contract. Steven Betashore, not offered a contract this season. Lee Wynn, drafted. And Adrian Perez, not offered a contract. So maybe... A harbinger of things to come by looking at that unprotected list. Lee Wynn, of course, drafted just a couple days later to make us exempt from the Austin FC expansion draft. And that is the State LFC history. All right. One quick bit of news that we want to make sure that we touch upon because it happened. And if it happened, we're going to talk about it. Woo. We signed Marco Farfan from Portland. All right. In case you don't know who that is, we got a 22-year-old left back from the Timbers. He was their first ever homegrown player defenders. Their first homegrown player ever. He played for Portland too. He had 55 games there. Between 2017 and 2020, keep in mind he's 22. He's been playing for Portland since he was a teenager. He had 34 games under his belt. He even got his first cap with the U.S. men's national team recently. We are getting him in an upward trajectory for the mere sum of 300000 in GAM, general allocation money. I like this investment. Low risk, high reward. The kid is starting to trend quite nicely, and we're picking up for a mere 300000 He's 22. He's a left back. We know we need defenders back there. Not us. We're the worst defenders to have in LAFC's back line. We're better on microphones <laughs> and with shoeys and beer bongs. But that's who we signed. That's the bit of news. And we are going to get right into this CONCACAF Champions League game. Oh, my God. And, Philly, it's not like you asked me, but I liked the addition of Marco Farfan, too. I know you said you liked the investment. Oh, I didn't say we? No, God, you I said I like the investment. More importantly, upward trajectory was what I believe the term that you used. They played the Troubadour last night for an online show only, and we're a pretty <laughs> good alt-rock band, so I really appreciate upward trajectory. Oh, my God, we beat Cruz Azul. We beat Cruz Azul. After a grueling MLS camp, Campaign, we got a fresh reboot. A reboot to attempt a restart at a goal we had set out nine months ago. Nine months ago, we had one of the most epic games in the entire club's history. We beat the now Operatura champions Leon at home, 3 0, after losing down in Mexico 2 0. Riding the craziest wave of optimism since the 2019 season. We were going to pick up right where we left off. That's what we thought. But then this stupid, Awful. And I can't even use the words that I wanted to because I promised Scarf I would maintain this family-friendly vibe so you won't hear all the nice words that I've saved up for COVID. Thank you. Woo! But despite this craziness, coming into this match, Scarf, I, fe- I, I thought this. You thought this. We had the advantage in this situation. The advantage comes along the lines of not having to play in front of a ruckus crowd at Stadio Azteca, the home of Club America and, of course, Cruz Azul. If we had a tough time in Leon with the hostile environment that was there, okay... Imagine if there were fans there. We go down to Stadio Azteca. What the heck could have happened there? Would have been really cool to go, though. So now instead of Mexico City and Los Angeles, we travel to the Mouse House. Not the corporate one, because that is two miles the other direction on Buena Vista from Philomonster Studios. We're talking about Orlando Defenders, the home of that purple MLS team that claims themselves to be Lions. Exploria Stadium, the venue for the reboot of CONCACAF Champions League. They are the team that beat us in the COVID Cup, Philly. So yeah, we do, yeah, yeah. But we, I, we do have to show them a little respect. Nani with yeah. that game winner on PKs. Fine, fine, fine. But, you know, I, I didn't say disrespect. I said they claim themselves to be Lions. That's all I said. But anyway... <laughs> That's a good burp. Way to go. <laughs> so here's the deal, Defenders. Many of you are huge Liga MX fans. I am not. 
<laughs> and you know about Cruz Azul. I did not. A lot of you aren't, though. I am not. So before we get into the recap, I want to go over a quick overview of who Cruz Azul is. So the millions. And millions! But actually, we should break this off. So the hundreds of thousands. And several more. <laughs> of you that don't know who Cruz Azul is, I'm going to teach you really quickly. Team, 93 years worth of history. Founded May 22nd, 1927. 93 years ago. Yeah, that is 90 years more than we've been around. Eight-time Primera Division <laughs> champions trailing... Hold on, on, hold on, hold on. What? Let's clarify. We are not three years old. The podcast yeah. is three years old. Just a little clarification here from Philly and Scarf. Well, that's yeah, Well, that's what I was getting at. Shoot, right? Maybe right. I'm lying. <laughs> Eight-time Primera Division champions, trailing only three other teams for most successful Liga Iamecchi's teams defenders. Toluca, 10 Primera Division champions. Chivas, 12 division champions. Club America, more than Chivas. You're next. You're next. They, they're no stranger to this CONCACAF Champions League. Six-time champs. The second most successful club, too. Club America. You're still next. It's got to suck to not only be behind Club America as Cruz Azul, but to have to share a stadium as well. I suppose that's how I feel as a Jets fan sharing that life with the Giants. Cruz Azul's most recent run where they won the CONCACAF Champions League was 2014. And they are also the first CONCACAF team to reach the Copa Libertadores, the most prestigious club competition in South America. One more time, Philly. What is the name of that club competition that they reached the finals in? Copa Libertadores? I just wanted to make Philly say it one more time. That was pretty good, you guys. Look, for all of you that listen to us on the regular, his Spanish accent isn't nearly as good as his New York accent. (laughs) However, that one was pretty solid. Let's give Philly some points on that one. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So the point of what this lesson was about, Defenders, is the fact that Cruz Azul is no stranger to success in terms of its history. However, oh, there is a term. Here it comes. Here it comes. You're going to say this one, Scarf. Cruz Azulear. Is <laughs> a term coined for this club because of their most epic collapses. Philly, I found out its direct translation into English means Mets fan. <laughs> <laughs> I just had Corona Seltzer. Philly was not ready. I was ready for that. Philly was not ready for that, but it's pretty much the same thing. Oh, you're supposed to win? Oh, no, wait. New York Mets. <laughs> That's good, that's good. Arguably, one of the most epic collapses in their club's history occurred a week ago when they lost in the Apertura semifinals to Pumas despite being up 4 nothing after the first leg. 4 nothing. Most people would just park the bus and call it a day. They led Pumas back in the game, letting in the final goal, the fourth goal, at the death. And just like that, they're out. Pumas advances to face Leon, a team that we beat. Pumas loses to Leon, a team we beat. And I would say that is our mental edge, knowing that we beat the Apertura champions and we're taking on the fourth place team, a team that got the crap kicked out of them, a team that's manager resigned, a team that was decimated by COVID. And you know I could go ahead and feel bad about that, but nobody felt bad for us when we lost half our team due to COVID and injuries and all that other stuff. So that's the story there. That is the lesson. Philly. I apologize if it was a reiteration for you. You Cruz Azul fans, or for you Liga Mekis fans, but for you non-Liga Mekis fans, that's the story. Philly, let's let's break it down just one more step further because you did go into it quite in depth. I believe the owner of the team called it the worst loss in club history. Up for nothing to losing because they are the lower seed. Yes, it was 4-4 on aggregate, but then it goes by seeding in the Liga Amekis playoffs, and that is why they did not advance 
And absolutely incredible that, look, we saw it. We were able to do that, obviously, with Leon, where we were down 3 nothing, and then to come back and win. I mean, that was absolutely incredible. But either way, look, this was considered the worst loss in club history. You just said the coach left, whether he resigned, whether he got fired. Look, whatever you want to say, he's not their coach anymore. And you're about to bring up the fact that probably their best and most experienced player not playing in this match. And for some reason, the goal scoring leader for Liga MX is also not playing in this match. This was a team, look, I play a lot of poker. I like online poker. I like in-person poker. My phone just went off to tell me I like poker. <laughs> Bottom line is... <laughs> I think Cruz Azul was playing what we call on tilt. They were already coming off of an awful, awful loss. And it was not enough time for Cruz Azul to rebuild, recap, and recenter themselves. Unfortunately, they ran into a black and gold freight train that took a little while to get started. But Philly, oh what a night. No doubt. Late December back in 2020. What a very special time for we. <laughs> we beat Cruz Azul tonight. Hey, there we go. There's another fine that, tune. That, that wasn't your, bad. That by wasn't your hairband hermanos, the defenders of the bank. Scarf, let's get into the match. We already talked a little bit about the history. We already talked about what we were going to be facing with Cruz Azul. Why don't you talk about the lineups, who's starting, who's missing, and a little bit about the Cruz Azul boys. So let's talk about Cruz Azul for a minute. And Philly, you mentioned it on a couple of podcasts that we were on. You mentioned it on One More Sleep last night that they had an Uruguayan Rodriguez of their own. We've got Brian. They've got Jonathan. And Jonathan Rodriguez. I'm just kidding. I mean, no, actually, (laughs) because our, our Rodriguez showed up tonight to play. 13 goals in 20 matches. Oh, man, can you imagine if Brian scored? And that doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Focus, focus. <laughs> 13 goals in 20 matches for Cruz Azul in Liga Amequis competitions. And Philly, when Cruz Azul tweeted out not just their starting lineup, Philly, but their, I guess in COVID times, we're still going to call it the 18, even though it's like 25 or whatever they're allowed to tweet out right now. Philly, our weight. What moment of the podcast, and look at us remembering to do that early, our wait what moment of the podcast had to be that not in the starting 11, not in the 18, Jonathan Rodriguez, the most lethal weapon in all of Liga MX's 13 goals in 20 matches, was nowhere to be found incredible incredible omission from the lineup and look we're gonna get into that maybe a little bit more later but jesus corona we're talking about the best keeper in liga mx philly if i remember correctly he's got what 400 caps or so for cruz azul yeah and he obviously not in the lineup, but that was publicized. We knew that would be happening. He unfortunately has the Joe coronavirus, so he would not be he's going to Austin. And <laughs> he's also not going. I mean, maybe there's still a lot of time for Austin to finish out their roster, but he is not in the lineup as well. You're talking about probably their most experienced and their most talented player, both not playing. So who does that mean is in the lineup for Cruz Azul? Inkeeper. Inkeeper? <laughs> Inkeeper! 
So who does that mean is in the lineup for Cruz Azul at keeper? It's Sebastian Jurado. Jurado actually played pretty well tonight. I feel like he did almost everything he needed to. Let's be honest, the two goals that were scored, you're not going to fault anybody for giving up a penalty to Carlos Vela, and we will talk a whole lot more about the second goal of the match later on. On the back line, we had Juan Escobar, Luis, Romo, Pablo, Aguilar, and Julio Cesar Dominguez. In the midfield, the former Orlando City, as you called them, Lions. You said the supposed Lions. Yoshi Yotun, as well as Rafael Baca, who is, of course, the former Loyola Marymount University Lions. The pride of Marina Del Rey. Also in the midfield, Oberlin Pineda, Roberto Alvarado, Elias Hernandez, and Santiago Jimenez rounding out the lineup for Cruz Azul. That would score exactly zero goals from open play in the match. Philly, let's talk about a little bit of a surprise to you and me in keeper for LAFC. You sure we don't have to like stop the pod, maybe have you gargle some like hot salty water or something? You're losing your voice, my friend. Let's go! There it is. I knew he'd find a second win if I called him out on it. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Today is the day of celebration. Remember... Late December, well, more like mid back in 2020. Anyways, the LAFC lineup, quite the surprise. We didn't think this would happen. We're glad it kind of happened. And considering the fact that he did play in the last CONCACAF Champions League match, I don't know. It could go either way. Kenneth Vermeer starting in between the pipes. Didn't think that would happen. We really thought Pablo Cisniega would be there, but Pablo... He didn't play the last stretch of the regular season of the MLS campaign. He did go off against Seattle, but I don't know. Maybe he's hurt. I don't know what the deal is. But Kenneth Vermeer starting between the pipes. Our back line, Tristan Blackman. Okay. Jesus Murillo. Yes. Eddie Segura. Yes. Chiki Palacios. Who was in and then out and then in. And he's like Anne Haitian, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, I mean, he's, he's not coming. He's coming. His wife is having contractions. Whoa, whoa, he's, whoa. He's, he's, Family he's, friendly, sir. I would, I'm, I, you're the one who got it twisted this I time, would never. my friend. Naughty, naughty. Our midfield, Mark Anthony K, Edward Atuesta, Jose Cifuentes. I think that might be my next jersey, personally. Carlos Vela, <laughs> here is the surprise. Scarf constantly said I was going to get this jersey, and I don't have a problem with him. But I did not expect to see Danny Musovsky in the starting lineup, and we have Diego Rossi to round it out. Philly, I got a question for you. Yeah, I might have an answer. We were on the Switch the Pitch podcast with Araceli, and I, I seem to remember, Philly, predicting something in the Scarf Stradamusness that I tend to from time to time, which, by the way, is uh, 62% of the time, it's right every time, if you follow <laughs> Scarf Stradamus. That doesn't even make sense. I, I'm just saying, Philly, when we were talking on the podcast, what I said was that I predict that Bob Bradley is going to pull a Portland in the COVID Cup in that where I said it wouldn't be about who starts the match, more about who finishes the match. And I was hoping we would see Latif and Brian Rodriguez sub on at halftime. I did not get my wish, but starting Danny Musovsky and starting the team that we did, it almost seemed like Bob heard me on that podcast, Philly. No, without a doubt. And the more we dissected it, the more we talked about it, the way the more we saw the game develop, we started to think this is actually kind of genius. Because not to take anything away from the boys, but when the match becomes crazy, when we're in crunch time, when we're fighting for our lives or fighting to score a goal, 
Yeah, I love Bryce Duke. I love Christian Torres. I, I love these guys. But I think that there was more firepower with having a Latif Blessing come off the bench. Or even a Brian Rodriguez. And considering the fact that he didn't come back to LA and make it back into LAX until Thursday, it was the right thing to do. I think it was the right thing to do anyway. So absolutely brilliant. And the one thing, and I mentioned this on Switch the Pitch too, and I'm not going to take credit for saying that I'm the one who came up with the idea because I did listen to the uh, Max and Francisco Instagram Live. The one comment they made, a player that they said, Francisco said this, that they thought would make an impact, and he obviously did more on that later, Opoku. And the reason being that there isn't a lot of tape on the guy. Cruz Azul wouldn't have really known what the heck was going on. And I'll mention this now, and I'll mention it again in the 58th minute when he got subbed in. He might have been the difference maker because nobody would knew what to do or who this kid is. So there there were a lot of really interesting moves that Bob had made. But let's get into the match. Let's actually talk about it. The great thing about this Defenders is this is the healthiest and the deepest LAFC team we've had since the beginning of the season. Finally, we would have a full roster to contend with. Finally, we wouldn't have to worry about making excuses as to, oh, well, if we had so-and-so and if we had so-and-so and then, then if we had so-and-so and if he didn't have COVID and if he didn't get hurt, no excuses. If we would have lost this, we would have lost this with our best team. I've and got, we had our best team and we didn't lose it. I've got one question for you though, Philly. I might have another answer. But where was Andy? Na- Never mind. It doesn't matter where Andy Nahar was. Let's talk <laughs> about on a five, back home. five minutes in Philly. We had a little cram scrunching if we had to there. <laughs> it was Romo who was called offside so the goal was wiped off but look i i will read you my exact note philly and all i thought was oh my god i can hear all the pablo fans right now going absolutely nuts i said romo offside so the goal is wiped off but vermeer looked tentative as hell was the exact note that i wrote oh my goodness I think Kenneth Vermeer Philly was the only one on LAFC who took a little while to get going through those first 10 minutes because I think we can all agree that the first 10 minutes of the match completely controlled by LAFC in the seventh, a great run by Tristan, who was really pressing high in this match, but a little grab nullified the run, so that would be it. And in the 10th minute, Philly, maybe, just maybe, LAFC was watching a little bit too much of the 2019 All-Star Game competition where Wayne Rooney and Carlos Vela took turns trying to bang it off the crossbar in the skills competition. But it was Jose Cifuentes to Mark Anthony K to Diego Rossi, the golden boot winner who bangs it off the crossbar. The oh. keeper did get a hand on it. You can see the keeper gets a slight touch on it. He bangs it off the crossbar. And look, at the end of the 10th minute, a corner earned by LAFC, but we got nothing out of it. Two great attempts in the 10th. But Philly, what I think we liked more than anything else is we came out of the gates. We were the ones being the aggressor, not on our back heels, not playing off the back line, but playing off of the midfield and the front line. We looked great through those first 10 minutes. Without a doubt, we were a mere centimeters from drawing first blood. Centimeters. You want to say size doesn't matter? Centimeters matters when it comes to this game. Centimeters is all it took from us drawing first blood. It stunk. But at this point, LAFC looking really good. Great pressure. Catching a sleepy, I can't say jet lag, Cruz Azul, but we were very much liking the way that this match was starting. But, but early on, 
Ugh. And ironically enough, it happens in the exact time frame as the jersey number of this player. In the 14th minute, awful passing. Awful passing. Eddie Segura to Mark Anthony K, who had a horrific giveaway. I believe Her- they call it Horta-esque. Horta-esque. And like Horta-esque, it actually resulted in a goal. Not right away, but Pineda had a clear run on Kenneth Vermeer. Eddie Segura happens to push him, and that leads to a penalty in the box. And ironically enough, the Orlando City player takes his position right at the 11th meter mark. I like to say it meters because I grew up saying meters rather than yards. Yoshi <laughs> hit the Panenka, scores past Kenneth Vermeer, and that costly turnover in the 14th minute by number 14, Mark Anthony K, led to the goal. So unbelievably frustrating. We came out so hot. We were centimeters away from drawing first blood. And this, not only was it deflating for us watching the match, but it appeared that it was deflating for the boys on the pitch. Yeah, look, it's always hard when you give up an easy goal-scoring opportunity. But I think we've all looked for Mark Anthony K to have a better season than he had. And I hope and I think from our time in talking with Mark Anthony Kay, he would be the first to say, look, I didn't play at my all-star level best like he did in 2019. But the past, I mean, look, we, we tongue-in-cheek, we, we can say it was Horta-esque, but imagine if that would have led, and, and spoiler alert, it didn't, but imagine if that would have led to LAFC's season being over. We would have spent the entire offseason, which, by the way, where they're trying to start MLS season next year, might be like six minutes that we have of an offseason. We would have spent the entire offseason talking about the pass from Mark Anthony K to Cruz Azul, which led to the PK by Yoshi Otun. Down one nothing. which, by the way, my podcast partner to the left of me here, he predicted we would go down one nothing. I did. In this match. So you're a jerk. Way to go. Down. I didn't think nothing. it would happen in the way it did. I, I mean, you said it would be Jonathan Rodriguez, which he, he didn't even play in the 18. But so we're, we're going to hashtag for the first few minutes of the podcast. Blame Philly for us going down. That's my response. To one blame nothing. Philly. Hashtag hashtag blame Philly. He was the one that said we would go down one nothing. But but <laughs> Philly, like we have talked about on this podcast, I would hope that the measure of any person out there whether you are an MLS all-star caliber midfielder who used to play for Louisville City FC, or whether you're a school teacher, a banker, a trash truck driver, a teacher, I said teacher twice, whatever it might be, I would hope that we are never judged by our worst moment, like we choose to do with Andre Horta. We are only judged by how we are able to respond from that moment. And to Mark Anthony K's credit, who Philly dubbed the Canadian Glory Machine. I said it, I'll say it. Canadian Glory Machine. There I you don't go. have any problem saying it. Absolutely. To Mark Anthony K's credit, he spent the next, oh, about 75, 78 minutes or so playing like he was trying to atone for the mistake, but not playing with his hair on fire to create another mistake. And I want to say, I give Mark Anthony K all the credit in the world for not making a second or a third or a fourth mistake, but for being able to compartmentalize that mistake like so many of us, including myself, have trouble doing from time to time. And no, I'm not a professional MLS athlete, clearly. But kudos to Mark Anthony Kay 
for being able to compartmentalize it and move on. And Philly, it was a back and forth affair for the remainder of the half. We had a foul by Tristan Blackman who got caught out of position. And look, it led to a free kick in a position which could be dangerous, but I just don't think that Cruz Azul had the weapons out there to make it that dangerous. And I really thought, Philly, in the 27th minute, that Tristan Blackman should have drawn a yellow on the foul that he received, one of the first of few awful calls we saw by the ref. And in the 29th minute, Philly, we're right back playing downhill again with LAFC earning another corner. The header by Segura, it went all the way across the goal. Maybe Mario could have had a touch, but you began to feel like LAFC took control back of the game in the 29th minute. You you said it. Look, we, we all make mistakes, and how we capitalize, learn from them, and move on is how we should be judged. And yeah, we could argue that Kay had a couple of bad long passes or a couple of bad short passes, or we could just poke at all his game. But he was hot, he was cold, he still played his tail off, he still hustled, he still sweated and he still bled for the black and gold for the, for the for the logo on the crest. He still did that. And yes, we had a lot of weak calls come on us. And then at that 26 minute, Yemenes who ran into Mario, he runs into Mario and cries on the floor, on the pitch, stopping play like a little baby. Now you're starting to see, all right, calls aren't going our way. These dudes are crying bloody murder on every little ticky-tack bit of action. You're like, "Great." This is going to be one of those matches where officiating is going to be our, our, our downfall. And clearly, clearly, this isn't a case of the pro referees that are in MLS that, that were awful. These refs Bleh. were crap. They were absolute crap. FIFA and pro, I know the game is fast. I know situations occur. I know there's missed calls that'll happen. But when they happen repeatedly and consistently, and for a little while we were wondering, did these refs actually bring any yellow or red cards to this matchup? We wondered that, but we thought, great, this match is going to be in the hands of the officials, which we never want that. In any sport, you never want to leave the game up to the officials. Thankfully, we didn't have to have that. Now, 33rd minute, Vale of Finding K. K had a shot at redemption. Sadly, his redemption song would not be sung by him, but it would be sung by the keeper, Harado, who made a save on K's attempt. Had K been able to blast that in the back of the net, had he actually, I believe what, he, he kicked it from his left foot scarf, not his right? Yeah, man, I just wanted him to turn and blast that with his right. Look, let's be honest, he would have gotten as much exercise on those demons as LAFC eventually did against Cruz Azul. It was one of those plays where he was just a little too tentative. I'd love to see Mark Anthony K. Look, in that moment, you've got to think, this is my shot to atone for the mistake. Yep. But he switched and went over to his left. Unfortunately, couldn't get enough on it. Look, another beautiful save by Cruz Azul on a beautiful free kick by Carlos Vela, but the header saved. It, it was a nice, it was kind of an easy save, but look, another good attempt. In 35th minute, another corner earned by LAFC. And in the 36th minute, Philly, I'm going to be honest, it was a little bit of a soft PK. Uh, whatever. I'm glad they don't have VAR for this one. Thankfully, yes. But I'm a little glad that it's Carlos Vela who earned it because if any player on that stage is going to earn the referee's respect and earn that call, it is Carlitos, number 10, earning the PK, and he snuck it into the left corner there as the goalie went right. He snuck it past him, and just like that, Philly, 
It is 1-1 LAFC. The two of us, we were standing up watching this PK. And I don't know if you guys can hear it in my voice just a little bit. But that was when I began to go off the rails. Poor Schmitty McMittens turned around and looked at me like I was a crazy (laughs) person. Oh, Schmitty hated you. And in his defense, he was right. I absolutely lost it. If you sit anywhere near me in Founders, you know what it's like when I yell, let's go as loud as I can. And then I turned and looked at Philly and Panda and Nina and I said, oh, I got to stand right here for a minute because all the blood went to my head and I'm about to pass out, but I didn't move. The tunnel turned into a very small little black dot, but I focused and I didn't pass out, Philly. And just like that, we're tied at one. Yup. And I will say this, Carlitos getting up there. We know he's had his free kick saved from time to time. So it wasn't necessarily an automatic thought that this would go. And 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 Gerardo, props to him in the sense that he actually guessed the direction of Carlito's shot. But it doesn't matter. It finds its way. It, the ball finds its way into the back of the net. And in my opinion, Case faux pas completely erased. And now we begin the game. And I have to say, despite the fact that that lousy announced team, and yes, whoever called the FS2 game, I didn't bother researching Terrible. them. Terrible. They were awful. Absolutely abysmal. They called the foul soft, but there were plenty of soft fouls that were called on LAFC as well. So if anything, this was a matter of vindication. And FS2, if you're listening to this, hire some announcers that actually have some passion behind their voice. The boys were knowledgeable. I'll give them that. No passion. I really wish I knew how to speak and understand Spanish because I would listen to those telecasts 11 out of 10 times because there's some passion and some conviction in the voices sometimes. I love listening to Max, but sometimes when you listen to the American broadcasters, and I love Arlo White, but some of the other people, it's like, Arlo God, White can do no wrong. Arlo White can do no wrong. But come on. Do we have to be this boring and dry? Let's get some pizzazz. Let's get some fire and some passion in the broadcast team's voice. Higher, Philly and Scarf. Anyway, let's move right on. A couple of minutes later, we get our first yellow card, and we really thought that the officials didn't bring them to the game. Aguilar with uh, a foul on K, and this is actually a good thing. I said this on One More Sleep. Aguilar was the hothead in that Cruz Azul lineup. Why do I say that? Because in 2017, the man lost his cool. What did you say earlier about a leopard and a striped scarf? The leopard does not change its spot. Thank you. I said stripes. Tigers have stripes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for re. Thank you for correcting me. Tigress does I... not have any stripes. They <laughs> I... have some blue and some yellow and some orange. I certainly appreciate the correction. This is why you and I work together. Yes. But let he he headbutted a referee in 2017, garnering. I, I wait. Excuse me. I did not headbutt a referee. No, not you. No, Aguilar. Ah. So when he got his yellow card in that 41st, in, <laughs> when he got his yellow card in the 41st minute. That was a good thing. Why? Because you start to attack one of the hotheads on Cruz Azul's team. Yeah, you get this Philly, guy to commit another foul, now we're operating with a, a man advantage. The only thing I didn't like was because they called that yellow in the 41st, they didn't call what should have been a second yellow in the 44th as Pineda Correct. took down Carlos Vela from behind. But look, it was a free kick for LAFC. Vela's free kick saved. And Philly, let's talk about the stoppage time. <laughs> there wasn't any. Zero stoppage time. So look, 45 minutes, winner take all match. This is what CONCACAF, I feel like, Philly, you imagine, maybe, just maybe at halftime, CONCACAF officials 
got together in a room socially distant six feet away or on Zoom or whatever, and they thought, now wait a minute, this is building up a ton, a ton of intrigue, a ton of, of, of worrying about what could happen next. Let's be honest, Philly. We watched the entire Atlanta Club America match. <laughs> yeah, we did. We could have fallen asleep four times and not missed a single thing. Club America did exactly what they had to do. Correct. Correct. We could have watched the entire other two matches. And with the exception of maybe, what, 20 minutes in the Montreal match against Olympia, there was a little bit of intrigue, right? But because of the first legs, because of the first legs, there simply wasn't anything to care about in the first three matches. Let's not get into the fact that Montreal, NYCFC, and Atlanta were shells of themselves in terms of MLS teams. But let's talk about the fact that at halftime, Philly, you had the first 45 minutes, probably the most entertaining 45 minutes of the quarterfinals, period. I'll say it. These were the best 45 minutes of any of the four games. And you knew what would be coming next would be more entertaining, more spellbinding, more enrapturing than your first 45 minutes. Do you think just maybe, just maybe, CONCACAF thinks about going to a one-and-done playoff system for the quarters and semis? I think it would be kind of fun. This is also the American and me talking, so there are probably a bunch of people right now listening on the end. We call them the millions. And millions! Of LAFC fans who are also Liga Emekis fans, CONCACAF fans, Philly almost passed out. They're probably going, no, stupid, they've done this since the beginning of whenever. Really, it hasn't been that long that they've done this format for this competition. But all I thought to myself is, how great would it be if they were all one-legged matches? Yeah, it's, it'd be like March Madness. Anything can happen. A boxer's chance, a fighter's chance. It would be a fantastic thing. It would be as if, what was the team from Jamaica, Philly? Portmore United. Portmore United. Everybody would be watching knowing that all Portmore has to do is have the best 90 minutes of their season, of their decade, of their team's existence, and they can move on against a Cruz Azul. Yeah. It, it, it didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. Let's get into the stat lines real quick. Shots. We dominated. 9-3. I'm going to come back to this. Remember this statistic. Shots on target. LAFC 4, Cruz Azul 1. 1. Remember that Cruz Azul 1. Remember the 1. Possession relatively even. 48-52. The edge goes, creeps out to Cruz Azul. Passing. Here's an interesting thing, because this doesn't happen as much. Cruz Azul, which is a team that definitely dominates possession in the reality of things, they had way more passes than us. 202 to 178. Fouls. This is the one that I think is important, Philly. This is it. Despite Cruz Azul being the only team in the first half to get the yellow card, we committed more fouls. And by committing more fouls, we're talking about doubling up on Cruz Azul. We had 14 to their 7. Naughty, naughty, but none of them warranted a yellow card. And then corners. This is a big deal because early on in the pre-match game analyses on all the different forums, the one thing that Cruz Azul and LAFC did share that was mentioned by several other people was the fact that both of them, both clubs rather, not the greatest of set-piece defending. Not the greatest at all. And 
corners, we add four to their zero. That set-piece defending does come into the equation. Let let me ask you, though, which MLS team scored the most goals off of set-pieces in the regular season? Ironically enough, the same team who was among the weaker in set-piece defending, LAFC. That would be us. That's absolutely right. But Philly, more importantly, it's 1-1 at the half. So really none of the stats played into us or them taking the lead. And let's talk about the second half you and I both thought we might see a change or two at the half, but no subs made for LAFC at the half, but it took about six minutes for Cruz Azul to try and change their shape. It's Aldrete on as well as Caraglio, and immediately you saw Cruz Azul, they knew that they were going to have to make some changes. I think they saw that they were playing on their back heel far more than they thought they would. Philly, one more time, remind the listeners again, how many shots on target in the first half? Ha, one. Just making Eins, sure. Uno. Let's talk about the 52nd minute. A great ball in for Diego Rossi from Carlitos Vela. The ball saved and then a corner forced by LAFC. Look, nobody home on the corner. But what really worries me, and you mentioned it, somehow, Philly, somehow, 14 fouls to seven in the first half. And you and I both thought if anybody would have earned a yellow in the first half, it would have been Jesus David Murillo. Yes, sir. And that foul in the 52nd minute, I have no idea how Murillo does not earn a yellow card for that as well. The referee clearly letting Murillo and everybody else, for that matter, pretty much able to play. Uh, I thought in the 55th minute, you know, it was Rossi got his pocket brick pretty badly. Yeah. Some good defending by Cruz Azul. It seemed like early on in the second half, Cruz Azul settling down on the back line. But LAFC earning another corner in the 57th minute. But you said it, Philly. In the 58th minute, the player who would be the game changer for this match... Hmm. Not number seven, not the star man playing on the right, not the player who's been the game changer for most of the season, although I am going to talk about him a little bit later in the match. But Philly, the man who we thought was once your (laughs) former boy from NYCFC, we've owned it, I've owned it. It was pretty much me that kind of pushed that one across. It was not Quadwo Poku. No. Of, of, I believe, the Tampa Bay Rowdies this season. Tampa Bay Rowdies right now. No, no, no. He's playing in Gibraltar right now. Now he is, yes. But he also played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, played formerly for your NYCFC. But this is Mahala. This is Quadwo Opoku. And Max was right. Who, who was the person who mentioned it with Max? Francisco. Philly? Francisco mentioned it while talking with Max. You mentioned it after you heard that. Look. There's something to be said about being the new guy. Here's the incredible thing about Mahala, Quadwo Poku. He was... Opoku, not Poku. I said Quadwo Poku. Just making sure I'm reiterating. He was stuck here, you guys. He was stuck here during COVID-19. From Akragana, or at least from a sports academy in Akragana, if he didn't grow up in the actual city of Accra. But look. A game changer from Akragana. Right? Where does that sound familiar? Here's, Where did that come from? Here's the incredible thing. He couldn't go home. He was stuck here during the pandemic. COVID-19 shut down his borders. It pretty much shut down travel to Ghana. He was here because he had nowhere else to go. So you know what Quadwo Poku did. You know what Mahala did? He put 
in the work. He was with LAFC, training with LAFC, playing with LAFC. And what everybody around him kept saying is that this kid has ice water in his veins. He doesn't know if it's the 43rd minute of practice or it's the 43rd minute of the MLS Cup Final or Champions League. He is playing the same way. And what we saw from him in preseason, because remember, Philly, we loved what we saw from him in just a couple of glimpses in preseason. Thank God. We have people like Bob Bradley, John Thorrington, Will Kuntz, and everybody else on Bob Bradley's bench who sees the same thing. Not that they need our help. Let's be clear on that. Not that they need our help. But think about the dividends that paid off for the season-long work, the struggle that Opoku put in for the entire season. He comes in in the 58th minute, and all he's asked to do, by the way, is to maybe score a goal. (laughs) These were the exact words I wrote in the 58th minute. Opoku subs in for the moose. Not the sub I would have thought, but it happened okay. No tape on this kid mentioned. Cruz Azul wouldn't know what hit them. I wrote this in the 58th minute. Not joking, Scarf was there, Panda was there, Nina was there, Schmidty was there, although it'd be tougher to get the information out of him in case this is the first time you're listening to it. Schmidty's my Siamese cat. You're but so, I, but you're I so smart. We would, Cruz Azul wouldn't know what hit them. He's so smart. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He's so smart. 63rd minute, we had a bit of a scare, Scarf. Bit of a scare. A bit of a scare. Tristan Blackman hurt in the box. We saw the replay. His leg, his knee, it looked like it might have exploded. I'm definitely exaggerating, but I thought, oh no, his knee is done. His knee is gone. It might be an ACL awful. Thank God, though, he was able to get up and walk off the pitch because you. I don't care if you disagree with me. Tristan Blackman actually played a pretty darn good game. I really think he played a pretty darn good game. And thankfully, he was able to walk off the pitch and make his way back into the game. So let's proceed. Philly, pop quiz. Uh Oh, always my favorite. I get a pop quiz from the teacher. Here we go. How many of y'all love pop quizzes growing how up? How old are you? Oh, oh, why do you have to remind me? No, I was it's born okay. in 1980. Y'all do the math. Yeah, that means you're 40. Tristan, Thank you for doing the math for the millions. Tristan and millions. Tristan Blackman is 24. If you had that injury, what would happen to your knee? Oh, uh, they'd amputate my leg. They're on the field, by the way, no less. They would bring out the hacksaw a la the Civil War and literally chop it off right there. If he panned thank, in, she'd enjoy doing it. Thank God she would shoot you with some sort of narcotic in your butt first. She'd probably and, rather shoot me and, in the head. And I mean with a needle. So here's the thing. Your knee is not 24 years old. Tristan Blackman, thank goodness, not only is his knee 24, but he's from Vegas. So Lord knows what else is coursing through the body of Tristan Blackman <laughs> at 24 years old. I love this kid. Look, let, let's keep in mind, from what I remember, right, he was the third overall pick in the MLS Super Draft in 2018 behind 
Joao Moutinho, who's playing for Orlando but not playing because he's watching this at home, and Thomas Hilliard Arce, who just retired from Sacramento Republic. Didn't he just get drafted like a cup of coffee ago? That's, that's what I'm saying. The kid went to Pacific University. From what I remember, that's the home of Michael Olawakandi, the candy man for the Los Angeles Clippers. And this kid wasn't really supposed to slot in and be a starter. He's a pick in the MLS Super Draft. How many players get to do that? But here's Tristan Blackman, again, playing huge minutes for us. And tonight, I will say it right now, out loud, to me, this was the best game. And he played, what, 83 minutes or so? This was the best game that Tristan Blackman has played in black and gold. No, he no doubt he had a couple of he had a couple of cheeky cheeky moves. He he played really really well. And I, and really I know you're a fan, by the way, but I felt like Moose was invisible tonight. Moose was rather invisible, but you know what? Moose coming into the lineup starting was good because well, we would have some other players that are normally starters come in later. Let's go forward, 67th minute. Sifu threads the needle, finds Vela. Interesting. Him and Rossi are pressing together very closely. Vela takes the shot right to Harado. Nothing happens there. It, it did remind me, by the way, Philly. Vela's the alpha, like 99 times out of 100. But who was our alpha all season this year? Diego Rossi. Yeah. So for me, it was like, oh, wait, oh, Rossi forgot to defer and go out wide and let Carlitos have his space. Maybe that plays a little bit more. But it was one of those things where you're like, all right, well, now we've got two alphas. So that's a good problem for Bob to have to solve later on in the match. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Indeed. Three minutes later, we get a couple of corners. We applying a great deal of pressure on the back line of Cruz Azul and Gerardo. But this, we mentioned it earlier, set piece defending an issue not only for LAFC, but for Cruz Azul throughout the course of their Apertura season. 71st minute. Off of the corner from Carlito. Comes off of Eddie Segura. I think he tipped it. I, I want to say, yeah, he, he did. He absolutely got a touch Okay, on just it. wanted to make sure. And then the one-timer, a hockey term. Mahala, who came in in the 58th minute. Mahala, the person that we thought was Quadwo Poku. Mahala, the guy who was stuck here from Akragana. Mahala, the guy who 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 put in the work and got signed by LAFC. Maholi Toledo. He scored his first goal. He scored his first goal. It was an incredible acrobatic kick. Just like that. Past Harada. We're up two to one. This is where we really start to lose our voice. And for one reason or another, I am banging on my armrest with a hockey puck. So you are you are literally holding a hockey puck in your hand as I'm watching this. He, here's what I want to say, everybody. First I'm of all, just thinking about this goal. First of all, Philly and I lost our minds here in Philly Monster Studios. We were watching the game together, lost our minds. What an incredible strike from Mahala! To me, that's got to be the goal of our season so far. What a strike! But let's step back for a minute. Oh. And focus on the next 20 minutes. Because after the blood came back to my head as I was screaming around Philomonster Studios, as I was pumping my fists, as I was shouting, let's go. As you were pissing I, off Schmitty McMitten some oh, more. Oh, he was so upset at me. So angry at you. I realized something else special was happening here. And I challenge anybody in our millions... And millions. Of the LAFC faithful of the Defenders congregation to tell me that this was not the best game you have seen 
played by the back line of LAFC. We played with the same four on the back line for most of the match. We'll talk about Tristan coming out in just a little bit. But the play that we had in the back line, and by the way, how many times did we see Edward Atuesta coming back, helping out on defense? Mark Anthony Kay coming back, helping out on defense. Jose Cifuentes coming back, helping out on defense. And in just a little bit, we're going to talk about the star man playing on the right, the game changer, helping out on defense. To me, Philly, this, this was the first time since the trade of Walker Zimmerman before the season started, this was a back line that I felt could win us a trophy. This was a back line that I felt up a goal could win us a match. And I have to be honest, Philly, there might have been maybe one or two chances that Cruz Azul generated, and that's Mm. because Cruz Azul is a good team. Over the course of the second half. I'll beg to differ on the chances created in a moment here. I, I hear you, but there were a couple of chances, Philly, where we went, oh, oh. But you know what we were doing, Philly? Playing defense. We were thinking about the old back line. We were thinking about the back line that resembled a little more of Swiss cheese than they did a back line that would keep the defense out. And I have to tell you, as crazy as we went, Philly, when Mahala scored that goal, it was pretty interesting how relatively calm we were over the final 20, 25 minutes of this match. We only stood up and started holding each other. Look, we did. I don't care. When it got closer and closer to the end of the whistle, not because there were chances created, but because, oh my God, we're going to do it. We're going to the semis. What an incredible job by our back line to finish out this match. It it really was. And you're thinking about all the what could go wrong scenarios. we're, We're riding such an unbelievable wave of optimism. We know what the back line has been. We know what plagued us in season one, that 80th minute hex. And here we are going down to the wire. And I don't care if people are going to say, well, this wasn't the best Cruises will line up. Or they're going to say this was their B team. I don't care. We, we suffered these same problems earlier. We were holding on to our drinks. We were, we were sweating it out. We were n- nervous and anxious, as I'm sure all of you were after the 80th minute. And there were a couple of things that happened. We had, there was some subs that came in that let us know that, all right, we're probably going to keep pressing. And what I mean by that is in the 79th minute, we had Raito coming in. Rossi came out. Scarvin, I commented on this. Blessing came in, but Cifuentes came out. I'm sure a lot of you out there would have said, well, Kay probably should have been the one to come out. (laughs) I love Cifuentes, by the way. Oh my God, do I love Sifu. And yeah, fine. People can argue that maybe Kay should have been the one to come out. Whatever. I don't know the game like Bob does. Y'all don't know the game that like Bob does. Y'all don't have the MLS record that Bob does. I, I do. Bob does. I, I do. You do? No, no, I don't. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, good subbing. Good subbing. Because at this point, you know, we have a game going on, and we have two players coming into the match that are normally starters. I would say I felt a lot more excited and a lot more comfortable knowing Raito and Blessing are coming into this match than Bryce Duke. And I love Bryce Duke. And I love Danny Musovsky. And I love the players on our team. 
But when I see Raito and Blessing come into the game, I'm like, this is it. Like, we're closing this sucker out. And closing it out, we did. A couple minutes later, 83rd minute, Mahala drives, Mahala draws a hello card. That's what I'm going to call it, the yellow card. A hello card because it's, hey, by the way, if you mess this up, we're going to give it a red. Really? I'm going to call a yellow card a hello card. And it happens to be on the guy who ended up scoring the first goal in the opening minutes of the game. I'm sorry. Yoshi. I'm sorry that he's calling it a hello card. Ah, that's my, hey, man. The thing is, like, you got to be original in these types of situations. People like catchphrases. I like Jane Silent Bob because they would come up with odd terms like schnoogans. All right, maybe a hello card's used. I haven't heard it, so from here on out, I'm calling the yellow card a hello card because it's a hello. Don't mess up again, otherwise you're out. Simple hello card, great. Boom. But wait, the only thing I'm happy about oh, is that boy, the, the only thing you're happy about is that the hello card didn't bring back Hello Kitty for any reason because I'm, oh, I'm oh, way oh, good. Oh. Don't tempt me. I, I'm don't, way good. Don't you tempt me with Hello Kitty not coming back. Look, I, I, I don't even like, know where she is actually. She I, might be in the bag from the last time I was in <laughs> house with you. I, I would like to mention my notes after the 83rd minute yellow. I can't do it. Yellow card. Hello card. On, Hello, don't screw up again. On Yoshi Yotun, 85th minute. Great defending by Yoshi. LAFC. 85th minute. Like I just said, great defending by LAFC. Latif looking great. Segura helping well. 86th minute, Tristan with great defending. 88th minute, Mohamed Elunir comes in for Tristan Blackman. He was cramping and you got all the Kaiser Permanente coming onto the pitch to help him out. You had six or seven people on a medical staff and the one dude who from the back. Who's the one? Who's the guy, the blonde-haired, portly fellow who used to do Family Feud? What was his name? Louis Anderson? Yeah, you had Louis Anderson run out on the field. Like, you're going to help Tristan Blackman. Dude, you barely look like you can tie your belt buckle, but yet you're going to come out of the pitch. For all of you that put us on pause for a minute to Google Louis Anderson, (laughs) I am sorry that you wasted your time doing that. (laughs) He is still alive and still doing comedy, allegedly. But 89th minute, LAFC earning free kicks installing a bit. 90th minute, Latif winning a free kick. Stoppage time, we had five minutes. A late offside call against LAFC because that's because we're the ones pressing. The only time, Philly, when you and I freaked out a little bit, oh, man, was in the third minute of stoppage when Kenneth Vermeer comes out of nowhere to make a play. I just yelled, Kenneth, you stay home, sir. (laughs) You stay right where you are supposed to be. In the fourth minute, we saw Carlos Vela get taken out, but I guess they played the advantage. And also in the fourth minute, it's a corner for Cruz Azul on the deflection. LAFC has looked great on the back line. They brought their keeper all the way out, played well, defended well by LAFC. And it's Baca, the LMU guy, who makes the last touch really of the season for Cruz Azul, so at least I get to give a little bit of love to the Lion from Loyola Marymount University, who, for all intents and purposes, made the last touch of the year for Cruz Azul as they get dispatched by the black and gold Philly. 2-1 LAFC, and I would like to apologize for how wrong I was on one more sleep. How wrong I was too, for that matter. I said, I'm not worried about the scoreline, but I am wrong because I said, if you've watched our team at all this season, you know that we weren't going to win this game defending. We were going to win this game outscoring. 
Cruz Azul. Now that's how you win a c- game. You got to clearly, clearly, we outscored them two to one. <laughs> but right, just make sure we're on the same page. You got to outscore a team to win. It was the back line. It was the back line that won us this match tonight. It was the back line, the defending that carried us through to Club America in the semifinals. It was the back line that Philly on Saturday will have to do it one more time as we take on the roommates of Cruz Azul and Stadio Azteca. You mean the landlords, not the roommates. That's, that's the true. The landlords. That's, that's very Cruz Azul true. is the roommate. That's, that's very true. They get to sleep in the guest house in the back. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Estadio Azteca has been run by Club America, but this match is not in Estadio Azteca. As you so mentioned, it is right near the house of the mouse. This isn't the same venue that we played COVID Cup at, but it's not far from it. It's in Exploria Stadium, and I'm going to tell you, LAFC is going to Exploria another win in Exploria (laughs) Stadium. We are going to down Cruz Azul. We are going to take on most likely Tigres. In the final. And as long as you keep setting them up, a la Big Lebowski, we'll keep knocking them down. White Russian drinks and all of that, too. Leon, done. Cruz Azul, done. Club America, you're next. And then Tigres, LAFC, is going to be the first Major League Soccer team to win CONCACAF champions league i love it i love the optimism and i'm with you on that lafc came in to the champions league nine months ago with a with 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 a goal and the goal is to be the first mls team to win it now i know you're gonna say well in the previous reiterations that when it was called the champions cup league uh it, from 62 to 2008 we had that team down the 110 win it and dc united win it blah 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 yeah fine the current format, as it stands from 2008, the only MLS team that came close to doing it was Toronto FC in 2018. When they reached the finals, they lost in PKs. We're going to be that team. Why? Because, well, that's what we're going to say. We're the optimistic folks, okay? I would rather be, and I've said this a million times before, a glass half full than glass half empty. And I am saying this because there was a comment on our Defenders of the Bank post that, would, that triggered me. I'm going to tell you this. All right. This is a Dalai Lama-esque kind of philo- philosophical thing. Philosophy with Philly. Here, I'm going to bless you with that. We are depressed because we look into the past. We are anxious because we look towards the future. If we stay in the present, life is all good. All right. Maybe we didn't play the best game. Maybe we didn't have the greatest output or whatever. But you know what? We won. I would rather win ugly than lose pretty. Who the hell likes to lose pretty? Who the hell likes to lose pretty? You lose at the end of the day. I'd rather win ugly. And as ugly as this game was, we won. I am optimistic. And you know what? Enjoy this for right now. Our next game is December 19th, okay? Not that long from now. We have a couple of days to enjoy this victory. And and it was a very outstanding victory. Don't get it twisted. This was a big win for this club. And because of the crap season that we had... This is something to relish and to enjoy because this year has had its toll. It's taken its toll on us mentally, physically, financially, emotionally. It's taken its toll. Enjoy it. Despite how it was won, enjoy it. 
okay? Yeah, I might have gotten triggered by some some random dude's comment on our defender's post that I have no idea about, but this is my this is my message to all y'all, all right? Live optimistically, live glass half full because it requires the same amount of energy. If you want to be pessimistic about all things, enjoy your miserable existence. I'll go forward with Scarf enjoying our lives. LAFC turned Cruz Azul, Negra y Azul today. I am beyond happy as a result of that. I'm going to close this out with a couple of stats. I mean, I'm not going to close it out, but I got to give them the stats, Scarf, real quick. No, you go right ahead. I'm not getting in the way of this freight train. Oh, oh, okay. I'm surprised you didn't have any comments about it. Oh, no, I have comments. I'm just going to let you keep on rolling down the tracks, my friend. Fine, fair enough. All right, I'm not going to... Look, I'm not even going to go through all of them. But the one stat that I mentioned earlier that hopefully you all remember... Scarf, how many shots on target did Cruz's will have at the end of the first half? One. All right, that's exactly how many shots on target they had at the end of the game. One, okay? They did have a few more shots. Wait a minute, then I have a question. Yes. (sighs) <sighs> excuse me. I'm looking at him right here, excuse, brother. Excuse, excuse me for a minute while I center myself. Then how are there people on the LAFC fans page saying Kenneth Vermeer didn't play well in the second half? He <laughs> did not face a shot on target. <laughs> Come on. Thank you. I, I am this. sorry. He is not Jean Luigi Buffon. I am sorry. He is not Yashin of the great goalkeeping days of the fifties and sixties. I am sorry that we do not have somebody like Tim Melia who can stop penalty shots in his sleep with an espresso in the other hand. <laughs> but please tell me what you want from Kenneth Vermeer. When he doesn't face a shot on target in the second half, and you say, Kenneth Vermeer didn't play very well. You know what? Take your LAFC fans' Facebook page and let's talk about the stats some more, please. I need to calm first, down. First, 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 I want to say this. There's normally a segment that we lovingly and jokingly call Rants with Philly. I will say that that rant by the scarf is better than any rant with Philly combined together. Your anger makes you strong, if we're going to quote Star Wars. This is the type of passion that we have, okay? Call us naive. Call us naively whatever. I don't give a hoot. We love this. And he's right. Shaky? One shot on target the whole flipping freaking game. He's right. and And I get it, right? Like, people are on Team Pablo no matter what. I'm with you. People are on team negative and pessimistic more often than anything else. Listen, we have talked to people way high up in the organization. Oh, they're name dropping. No, we're not. We're just saying we've talked to those people. Sorry that that we worked hard enough to know them. Sorry, not That are not big fans of who my favorite keeper all time for this team is. I let it be known right now, December. Is it still the 16th? Is it past midnight? I don't even know. No, we still got 31 minutes. 31 minutes. We might actually complete this on Wednesday. Let it be known that on December 16th, 2020, I, against the advice of people that are way smarter than me about football and soccer, am still... Still on Team Tyler. That's right. Still on Team Tyler. The guy that was hurt and didn't finish out the season for Minnesota. The guy that still leads our team all time in shutouts and wins and all the other important stuff. I am still on Team Tyler. And yet, I can step back and watch Kenneth Vermeer play. And watch Pablo Cisniega play and go, Hey, sometimes they have good games. Sometimes they have bad games. You name me something that cost us... This game, not 
could have cost us a game against Liverpool or Manchester <laughs> United or oh, maybe please. on a better day with Cruz Azul if they had Jonathan Rodriguez and their goalkeeper. You name me a play where you would have taken Pablo over Kenneth and it would have changed the outcome of this match. I have an idea. How about you stop being fans and start being supporters? Because that's the difference between some of you that like to comment on our Instagram, some of you that like to comment on our Facebook, and some of you that like to comment in general to LAFC on Twitter. And oh, by the way, you're like, oh, well, it's getting him riled up. I'm going to do it again. That's okay. Do it again. I'm fine with that. Because we know we're on social media, so part of it is to be social. I get it. But at the end of the day, have a take that makes you look a little bit smarter after you say it, then in the end, when you say, me, you know, Kenneth Vermeer didn't look very good in the second half, when he didn't face a shot on target. Yep, we mentioned it. There were one or two moments in the second half that made us go, Kenneth, you stay at home and you stay there right now. (laughs) However, none of what he did cost us a match and none of what he did won us a match. Tonight was not about Kenneth Vermeer. Tonight, please, for the love of God, focus on the four that were in front of him and the help that they got from Atuesta, from Sifu, from Mark Anthony K, from Latif Blessing, from everybody who helped out in defending because this was a team defending match tonight and it had nothing to do with the goalie. I, I, I love it. I'm just going to add a couple more things and then we're going to put this to rest. All right? Had it not been for that awful pass by Mark Anthony K that penalty kick wouldn't have occurred, okay? In addition, yes, there was a header scored early, okay? And that was referenced, but it was an offside. And there were a couple of players offside. So it was offside. And that's the end of it. It doesn't matter. That's because your back line is playing well. Okay, so bottom line was, Ah. with the exception of the Mark Anthony K mistake, Kenneth Vermeer would have landed himself with a clean sheet. But not because of his efforts. It's because of what Scarf said. The back line. Only allowing seven shots with one on target. That was the difference. That was the difference. And let's just put this to rest. But I tell you this, Scarf. I've always loved you like the brother I never had because I grew up an only child. You Uh are my family as far as I am concerned. Uh Uh-oh. But the passion that came out of your voice a few minutes ago makes me love you that much more. Because... It makes me also not the only crazy it, lunatic it, on it this podcast. It reminds me of, of Dumb and it. Dumber, where they're like, and you totally redeem yourself. We didn't Let's rehearse that, go. by the way. We did not rehearse that. We had not <laughs> talked about that at all. That being said, um, uh, oh, wait. December 19th. We're playing Club America! Yeah, Club America! I can't wait. Philly, we get to take on, look, you, you mentioned it, and you're kind of a jerk for saying this. All right, so, so Philly's a jerk, and I'll tell you why. Yes, I know. Philly just got done complimenting me, and I'm going to throw him right under a bus. Yay! <laughs> Philly the scarf, defenders of the bank. Yeah, a word that rhymes with? Uh, jerk. All right, so <laughs> here's the thing. I am a fan. Don't worry. Don't worry. Breathe. Oh, God. I, I am a fan of the Patriots. And oh, yes, wait. God. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Me and LAFC Punk are throwing up in no, our no, mouths no. right now. Because, because I'm a fan of them because I grew up in Los Angeles when we didn't have the Rams or the Raiders, and I refuse to acknowledge the Chargers. I'm a fan because we didn't have a team. Wait, they're in LA? No, not, not much. No. So 
I became a Patriots fan because they were just always really, really good. I became an Alabama football fan because I like to watch teams that play really, really well. Now, I'm a born and raised Laker fan, so I'm sorry if I'm used to watching a team win championships. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, and I'm, like. I'm, I'm a Mets fan, so I don't have anything to say about that. But I, I began to watch teams because of how good they are. And Philly's a jerk because Philly said, well, if there's a Liga MX team that you would root for, it would be Club America because <laughs> all they do that. is win, you jerk. I did say So that. here's the thing. I don't, and, and please don't turn us off after you hear me say this, but, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy who's from, you know, Manhattan Beach area. I, I didn't grow up with a Liga MX team. I'm sorry. I also, by the way, didn't grow up with a Serie A team, and I'm 60% Italian. I didn't grow up with a Bundesliga team, although now I'm a fan of Union Berlin. I didn't grow up with a Premier League team, although now it's AFC Richmond through in, and through. In all fairness, you didn't really grow up with a soccer team to begin with. I did not. I, and it wasn't like I was a fan of Carson before I became a fan of LAFC. I was a fan of Seattle Sounders because um, Microsoft sent me a bunch of free stuff when I was a game tester, and it was all Sounders stuff. So that's why I was a fan. So, so let's be honest here. I don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to Liga Emekis, but can I tell you how happy I am, Philly, that it's Club America that we're playing, that we get to play the pinstripes of Liga Emekis, and that we're going to be able to say, we walked through Leon, we walked through Cruz Azul, and we have walked through Club America to get to the finals, to whom we will face, I'm assuming, and I don't want to count Olympia out. And I don't count Olympia out. You do. I do. You, you think what we saw from Tigres was world beater stuff, and, and it probably was. But either way, the winner between Olympia and Tigres, here's the thing you don't remember, though, Philly. There's one thing, man, on any given Sunday. And Olympia, Ooh, Olympia has their given Sunday coming up against Tigres. So if they go bleep to the wall like I think they will, I can't wait to see it. I am predicting, probably going to be wrong, but I am predicting it's going to be Olympia in the final. They're going to lose like 5-1, but I'm predicting anyway. I don't care. Olympia in the final against LAFC for the CONCACAF Champions League title. All right, you, you you heard it there. You heard it there. I got nothing else. I'm done. I just got one more thing. Twenty two hours ago. Twenty two. Twenty two hours ago on social media on Instagram, I didn't ask for his permission to use his name or his screen name, so I'm not going to mention it. But we put up, and if you can't happen to catch this, uh, we put up a birthday post. And I know if you're listening out there, you, the person I am referring to, has been a supporter of ours since day one, and I got to say we greatly appreciate it. Today was a friend of ours' birthday. And I posted 22 hours ago at the time of this recording that all he wants for his birthday was an LAFC win. And you know what? It happened. LAFC beat Cruz Azul today. And I don't care what variation of Cruz Azul it was. We won, okay? We beat the team who ended up winning the Apertura. And I'm good with that. We beat the fourth seed. We're going to take out Club America. And all right, if we get Olympia, I would say that gives us a slightly... That gives us the edge over Tigres. Tigres is a tough team. That guy, Gignac, that Dude, guy's he's, pretty he's, darn good. He's, he's real good. He's he's really good. But 22 hours ago, there was a birthday post that came on. And you know what? Happy birthday to our friend. I know you're listening to this. I'm, again, I didn't ask for permission to use your name or your handle, so I'm not going to say it. But 
it all started that way. You got a great birthday present. We got a great gift. We got another podcast to record. We got another one more sleep because on December the 19th, which is Saturday, we're facing Club America. And it's un- it's unfortunate that we're not going to get to see it in Stadio Azteca. It's unfortunate that we're not going to get to see it at Bank of California Stadium. But it's fortunate that we get to see it at all. Because nine months ago, this tournament kicked off. Nine months ago. Should have been done by now. But it isn't. And we have the chance of a lifetime. Yes, sir. To absolutely erase and eradicate that horrific MLS campaign that we all had to endure. We win CONCACAF Champions League. Let the Columbus crew enjoy MLS. Because (laughs) we get a trophy that really means something on an international scale. Yes, it would have been fantastic to have a supporter shield, to have the MLS Cup, to have the Open Cup. Trebles and, and all that stuff were great. But it wipes out. Winning CONCACAF wipes out MLS. It really does because it creates a first for us. And all the naysayers and all the haters and all the D-bags out there that hate on LAFC can simply, simply, D-Generation X, if you watch wrestling, you know the two words that I'm going to say, but I'm not going to say them here because Scarf made me promise and picky swear him that I'd be family friendly. Family friendly. You all watch wrestling and you know D-Generation X, they had two words. That's my message to the rest of the league Look, if we win CONCACAF Champions League. Philly, I've got one other thing to say. I thought you, you were done. I thought you were done. No, I something came into my head. <laughs> and and I want to give a shout out to our, to our guy Fresh. Yo, Fresh, yes. L- let me tell you what Fresh did in March people in march fresh designed a pin that said semi-final matchup lafc against club america in march fresh designed a pin and i know that because i've seen it now i don't know that he made any of them i know that i saw the design for it so i want to give our boy fresh he makes some dope I, pins, I believe by the it's way. At the Fresh One on Instagram. But we will post Fresh's Instagram on our Instagram. He at least designed, I don't know that he made it, but he at least designed an LAFC Club America semifinals Champions League pin. And I got to tell you, Fresh, back in March, there might have been some of the black and gold faithful. There might have been some at the Cathedral of the Black and Gold Bank of California Stadium. There might have been some on Christmas Tree Lane who thought you were crazy. Not this LAFC. Not the LAFC without Walker Zimmerman. Not the LAFC that had an injured Carlos Vela. Not the LAFC who had to bring in an old man, Bradley Wright Phillips. Not the LAFC who had Adama Diamande leave in the middle of the season. Not the LAFC who was counting on Danny Musovsky and Quadwo Poku and a 16-year-old Christian Torres to score goals for them. That LAFC couldn't possibly make it to the semifinals against Club America, one of the most storied teams in CONCACAF. Well, guess what? You were right, Fresh. You were right, sir. And I can't wait to see what you have to design after we beat Club America and take on either Tigres or Olympia in the finals. Shout out to our boy Fresh. Yeah, we love you, Fresh. Now, this podcast today had all the feels. We had joy. Joy. We had sarcasm. Sarcasm. We had criticisms. Yep. We had soapbox preaching. But you know what? It's all in good, clean fun. 
Because if you're listening to this podcast, then there's a damn good chance that you're like us. Lovers and supporters of LAFC. Lovers of the black and gold. Eternal optimists and and passionate followers of this club through good times and in bad. All right? We're not glory chasers. We're Mets fans. (laughs) At least Scarf and I are. But we follow this team through thick and through thin. All right? Good times and in bad. So if we offended you by our criticisms and all that other stuff, just know that it was coming from a passionate and a good place. We love you. We love you, yes, and we appreciate the support. That being said, we've taken up about an hour and change of your time. Yeesh. If you are one of the millions. And millions. We really appreciate the support. We're really thrilled that this is not the final podcast of 2020. We are thrilled that this is not the last amazing sporting event that we're going to get to watch and critique and talk about again, Defenders. We are so thrilled that this season remains alive. For the Columbus crew, it's great. They didn't hit the pinnacle, though. We have the chance to hit that pinnacle. We are the only Major League Soccer team left in the CONCACAF Champions League. So enjoy your win, Columbus crew. Because at the end of the day, LAFC are going to win Champions League through and through. Look at you being a poet. And you guys know how we like to end this episode. And there's one more left. At least. At least. In season three of Defenders of the Bank, the most LAFC podcast on earth. We uh, like solar to, system. In, in, in the galaxy even <laughs> I, see, I like that too. dare i say you guys know how we like to end all of our episodes thank you so much for your love and support and we would like to say bye bye